0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. The following episode is part of the Off The Chain Automation series sponsored by IOTA. The goal of this special series is to explore the intersection of distributed ledger technology and automation, specifically around digital currencies, digital wallets, and machine-to-machine transactions. My core belief is that every stock, bond, currency, and commodity will eventually be digitized and distributed ledger technology will empower the full potential of automation to be realized. IOTA is the sponsor of the automation series. Their mission is to support the research and development of new distributed ledger technologies including IOTA Tangle. The IOTA Foundation encourages the education and adoption of distributed ledger technologies through the creation of ecosystems and the standardization of these new protocols. You can find out more about the automation series and IOTA in the show notes. Catherine Coley is the CEO of Binance US. In this conversation, we discussed her background, how she discovered Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, what led her to take the job at Binance, and some of the feature requests like interest accounts, derivatives, and mobile apps that may be coming to Binance in the future. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Special episode alert. I don't even know if that's a thing, but we're going to start that. Um, I have Catherine here. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Uh, I've actually known her for maybe a year or so, uh, pre-getting the job at Binance. Uh, So one, congratulations on that.
1: Thank you so much. Extremely excited.
0: Before we get into all the fun stuff um, and the... Over two hundred questions that I got on Twitter about what to ask you, uh, which we will not cover all of them. Um let's go through your background and kinda of what you did pre uh Ripple, pre Binance, et cetera. Uh,
1: sure, sure. So my uh my story or my journey starts a little bit earlier than uh most even cypherpunks. Um shockingly, when I was about uh, eight years old, my family went to Disney World quite a lot. Um, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, and every Sunday we would go to Epcot. Every Sunday? Every Sunday. There were good deals back in the 90s where (laughs) Florida citizens would get free tickets. So uh, we'd go to Epcot about every Sunday, and I'd go to Morocco, I'd go to Japan, I'd go to Canada, France, all in an afternoon. Um, Really painless, struggle-free, able to experience the world. Um, And I I kind of thought that's how the world worked uh and then i was proven really really harshly wrong when i decided to move outside of the us Um, and so that kind of tipped off my love of global markets and understanding how the world wasn't efficient and we could make it more efficient Mm -hmm. and so i kind of kept on this journey for learning how i could make that a better make it a small world after all Mm -hmm. so i leapt into uh foreign exchange Uh, Trading in Morgan Stanley in Hong Kong right after college. Uh, Experiencing some of the least liquid markets out there. I was trading all the onshore Asian uh, currencies. So you think about the small ones, Indonesia, Malaysia, Pakistan even. Um, And so just really experiencing how difficult those markets were. Super nuanced, uh, very tricky. And then moved with Morgan Stanley on to London to see some of the deepest pockets of liquidity. So you've
0: got... All right, hold on. Before you get to London, explain currency trading in asia because i think a lot of people hear that somebody had that as an experience in their career but they don't actually know what that means and kind of like what the day-to-day is
1: yeah your day-to-day is uh downloading the entire news of the world Mm -hmm. and then realizing how it's going to affect the prices of your one country's currency against another and then you're handling that with the largest money managers of the world so uh any call it 3 a.m on a monday morning when the wellington open would happen uh, you'd be waiting on the phone and reaching out to people, about 250 clients or so, and they could call up anytime and say, you know, I wanna buy two yards of dollar yen, which is two billion dollars of dollar yen, mm-hmm. and you'd have to work their order through the liquidity at that time, so mm-hmm. you couldn't just get a price off the hand there, you'd have to you know, manage the order, make sure that it was going through smoothly, uh, deal with the fact that they were probably unhappy they were moving the market, or trying not to move the market um, and constantly trying to evaluate where there was value left in the market for you Mm -hmm. to go after. So I covered kind of global hedge funds and then traded the onshore pairs. So you're trying to get all of your orders through before market closes, which onshore markets have closes. uh, The rest of FX is kind of a Mm 24-5 market. Um, And so that was just a Full adrenaline rush, standing up, shouting, um, you know, buy, sell, that kind of uh, Wolf of Wall Street style. But uh, in Asia, you're doing it with a much smaller team with much trickier markets Mm -hmm. and uh, just a ton of responsibility early on. So I really thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Got it. And so when you go to London, what was uh, the role there?
1: Yeah, London was covering global hedge funds, really bringing my expertise from Asia into the European market. So we were, at the time, China puts were a very popular thing. That was Mm -hmm. the idea of betting on uh, China blowing up. And so you were protecting your risk either to the equities market or to another exposure that you may have had by buying a protection on the price of dollar, CNH, or CNY Mm -hmm. um, going higher. So... Uh, the numbers that we're seeing now, like I think uh Remi is now at seven fourteen, our strike prices, which were where the where the market might have gone, were like six. So mm-hmm. the market's blown up since. So it's uh, it's rewarding to know that a lot of the guys I helped get into those trades. Um, it was, a, it was a worthwhile endeavor. Right. But uh, in London, we were really just focused on educating them on what Asia was like and seeing if they had an appetite for engaging in that type of uh, investing in those markets.
0: And what type of investors would that be? When you say hedge funds are these really large, well-known type yeah. hedge funds? Or are they more small mom-and-pop, you know, two, three-person operations?
1: No, I, I had this... Uh, kind of unusual ability to be the outside American in these different Mm -hmm. markets and then cover US groups. So Mm -hmm. you think about your hedge funds in New York and Connecticut, um, even California. Um, I was able to be their kind of liaison, correspondent on the ground, telling them what was happening, even if they had never been to Asia or mm-hmm. London at that time. Uh, most folks had, though. Um, so you think about average AUM or assets under management, um, that one of the funds I was managing would be around like 14 to $16 billion. Yeah, it's um, a very large. It's so very large, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and the average size of trades, uh, kind of a small day trade, One-off would be three hundred million. A large day would be you know anywhere between two and three four billion. Mm -hmm. So a lot a lot larger size tickets uh, you see in the FX world than crypto.
0: For sure, for sure. <laughs> two to three billion is like uh, one yeah. to two percent of the entire market. Yeah, for, yeah, it's uh, pretty good. <laughs> um, okay, and so when's the first time that you hear about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, blockchain, etc.?
1: Yeah, so because I was in the FX markets uh, and they were moving me to another country, I had to personally move my Hong Kong dollar, mm-hmm. um, and there I was, you know, twenty-four trying to figure out if I was going to pay HSBC, my competitor, eight percent of my hard-earned lady salary, mm-hmm. uh, and. I I really just didn't want to do that. Um, so I looked into Bitcoin. Um, back in the day, it was Arthur was beginning his early uh, love affair with Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, and so kind of dug into it. And some of the, some of the inefficiencies didn't really work for me. I, I don't know if I wanted to pay that much to take that transaction on. Um, a lot of my hedge funds had tinkered in it in 2013 and then mm-hmm. got, got goxed, um, so that was unfortunate but uh, I was still kind of learning how, what would be the best way to get money across uh, the world in Mm -hmm. the fastest way without me losing actual value. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's when I looked into crypto and kind of kept my eye on all the processes of how Bitcoin was working, what was the pricing like, was this liquid in Hong Kong dollar, which not a lot of exchanges are live in Hong Kong dollar on ramps. Um, And then kind of had to do the same thing when I moved from London to the U.S. again. Mm -hmm. Um, So constantly was looking for the best means of moving money around the world.
0: For sure. And and Bitcoin is a natural, I think, um, tangentially related asset for currency traders, right? It it, It is a currency and it has a liquid market.
1: (laughs) I I give such credit to people that come into Bitcoin without having any foreign exchange experience. Because to me, it's just an obvious... Um, you know, I can put this asset class and move it just the same way mm-hmm. I've moved other things. My understanding of, you know, how thick and order book is, is the same that I would be using for understanding markets and cryptocurrencies. Uh, the ability to know just the etiquette around mm-hmm. uh, buying and selling on an OTC side and then understanding managing your own risk. Uh, those are all things that I natively learned in foreign exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so kudos to people that are tra- translating other jobs into this and being able to understand the dynamics of the market Mm -hmm. it took me uh, about five years and a lot of hard hours uh, in order to just get a good sense of of things but um, I I think the biggest lesson we can always learn is the market owes us nothing
0: Mm -hmm. so for sure and so when you moved to the US what was the job
1: yeah, so I moved to the U.S., uh, well, pre-Brexit. Morgan Stanley was kind of getting a little worried about the fact that they had some expats on the other side of the pond. Um, and so picking up from Brexit, realizing I could potentially be left homeless in uh, in London without a job, uh, moved over to San Francisco, um, mostly on a, on a whim. I, I went to a wedding, and it was lovely out there. And I said, you know, this weather is perfect. And I, I went to L.A., and L.A., the weather was... Dismal that week for some reason, and said, "Oh God, okay, San Francisco wins." And I felt that there was a level of of folks there that would intellectually stimulate me for mm-hmm. enough for me to realize that I could translate my job into the tech world. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be as adaptable to the next generation of careers as possible. And FX certainly felt a little dinosaur at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were automating as much as we could, so um, I like to make my job redundant as I go on in life because mm-hmm. I think that means we're progressing. And uh, so I, I began looking at different tech companies, different FinTech, and I kept finding myself worried about their FX exposure at the end mm-hmm. of the day. <laughs> Which I was like, I, you know you're addicted when you're worried about you know, some company's exposure to India or some company's exposure to China and how are they balancing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the longest time I'd had an alert on Ripple uh, for on LinkedIn mm-hmm. because I knew that their XRP moved significantly cheaper than bitcoin Mm -hmm. Um, and if they were ever going to open up looking for someone to uh, expand the hong kong market that was my ticket out uh, to get my money away um, out of the hong kong market so um, fortunately one day after uh, a year and a half of this linkedin alert uh, Mm -hmm. something popped up that fit my expertise and so I, I jumped on that one.
0: Got it. Uh, before we get into Ripple, um, San Francisco, we got to talk about. Uh, yeah. The wedding you went to was in San Francisco? Or it was in San Francisco.
1: Near? It was uh, one of my best friends from Carolina. Uh, we actually lived in China together. Mm-hmm. So she had had uh, kind of that global experience and excitement. And it ended up that about... 14 of my uh, friends from my Hong Kong-Shanghai days are mm-hmm. relocated to San Francisco. Wow. So it's a, you know, maybe it's the easy transition back into the American life, or maybe they just have really good dim sum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I laugh because San Francisco is the tale of two cities for sure, where... Oh, uh, yeah you get um probably the area where your friend got married which is nice and beautiful and they get the photos and and this great experience and then if you went to market street and oh, kind of yeah. the long area you might have stepped in uh, some human feces it's,
1: it's it's a tough it's a tough city for sure um and and so many people say like oh why would you you know you know the city shuts down at 9 p.m. et cetera. i mean hong kong was a, a seven like 36 7 type mm-hmm. of city like it was you were out running hard, working hard, playing mm-hmm. hard, um, and so for me to be able to really focus on whatever work I was going to be doing, I didn't get the FOMO. I was missing out on things, mm-hmm. and I could relax, uh, go, you know, hike, uh, swim, cross the river, play golf—you name it—in mm-hmm. California pretty easily without the temptations of. New York City. Missing something. Derailing my career success.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, And so, uh, what role did you take at Ripple?
1: So, at Ripple, I started off as their head of investor relations, actually, um, which was a total switch for me, uh, having been mostly driving markets and uh, dealing with of direct customers, transaction mm-hmm. size. Um, and I kind of, over the course of a couple months said, yeah, you know, I, we're, we're not a public company and, and at the time we were not fundraising. So mm-hmm. I said, can I, can I be on the markets team? Like I kinda, it's hard for me to turn that off. I'm constantly mm-hmm. thinking about it. I, I know the guys that would be having an appetite for this. I naturally speak their language, um, kind of put me in the game coach. Mm-hmm. And so I, I jumped over to the XRP markets team to run the institutional liquidity.
0: Okay. And so let's start with uh, the investor relations. This is mainly a role where uh, you're interfacing with the investors in the private software company, Ripple, not XRP. Correct. Right. Correct. Okay, I yeah,
1: I was working mostly with uh, the financial community oh. a lot out here, um, a lot in California, just uh, referencing it as if it was a like a non-deal roadshow, mm-hmm. teaching them about uh, a tech company called Ripple.
0: Got it. And so uh, when you jump over to the capital markets team, um, or the institutional liquidity, uh, describe a little bit about like what the goal of that team would be.
1: Yeah. So we were a scrappy team that was really our purpose was to make XRP as liquid as possible. Um, One of the things in order for it to work through the system was that it would be the conduit between transactions around the world. And if you looked at FX being that conduit around the world, that average volume a day was like 5 to $6 trillion. Mm-hmm. So if we were going to be able to make transactions of that quality uh, go through, you would need to have a much more liquid uh, mechanism. So that's where you can either see the price rising to accommodate for the volume necessary, or you can see the liquidity increasing mm-hmm. um, for volume necessary to handle.
0: Got it. And, and so... As you think through those mechanisms, right, I think one of the big questions that um, a lot of folks have just across Bitcoin, crypto, et cetera, is um, how much of the, we'll call it market making or liquidity per, uh, providing is done uh, by teams themselves versus by exchanges versus by like institutional type um I don't know if it's clients, partners, market participants, et cetera. But just, you know, I kind of think of it as three buckets, right? So it's the teams themselves in some cases do market making or, li- or liquidity. Sometimes it's the actual exchanges and kind of like off-balance sheet type stuff. And mm. sometimes it's uh, external third parties or are more like funds that are set up to do this stuff.
1: Yeah. We break it down to kind of, if you if similar to that, if you've got one structure being infrastructure. So that's mm-hmm. like your exchanges, your mm-hmm. OTC desks, kind of that core Venue that you're going to be trading okay. on, And uh, then you've got the speculators, which can be anything mm-hmm. from you know a retail uh, day trader all the way through to a you know significant endowment or, or mm-hmm. a fund, um, and then you've kind of got the the third leg that doesn't really exist yet, and that's corporate flow, mm-hmm. which is a significant reason why the FX markets move. Uh, you've what got, is that? You've got that consistent need for a company in one area to make a transaction uh, repeatedly based on their needs from a corporate perspective. So mm-hmm. you think about Toyota and their dollar yen, they have to repatriate all of their revenues uh, from overseas mm-hmm. every quarter or every year in order to clean up their balance sheet and prepare for a fiscal year ahead. Mm-hmm. So those flows don't exist yet in uh, the crypto markets but we're working on it and mm-hmm. um, so that's one of the things where if you have that consistent flow then the speculators will be able to take advantage of those different uh seasonalities mm-hmm. of, of corporate flows but you also just always have momentum in the market taking place so i think that's one of the factors that ripple was really working on was being able to provide a mechanism to which corporate flows would be consistent um, so you'd have people using uh, the mechanism of XRP in order to send flows from one country to another um, at a consistent pace or at least a repeatable one. Mm-hmm. And then the speculation or that arm would be able to go as they please. Um, but that way you'd always have kind of two-sided markets naturally.
0: Got it. Um, all right. So you're doing this for year and a half, two years? Two years, yeah. At, at um, Ripple. Uh, and. All of a sudden, there's this announcement <laughs> that, you, that you are going to become the CEO of, uh, is it Binance America or Binance U.S.?
1: Binance U.S. Our okay. Twitter handle is Binance America,
0: okay. but we'll
1: be test. What do you it's guys on the, like? If it's on
0: the internet, it's true, so we yeah. can call it either one. Um, let's start with, what was your first in time that you heard about Binance, your first impression, you know, before you met anyone on the team, et cetera, what, what was kind of your take sitting in the seat at, at a ripple of uh, Binance?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we were working with uh, all the exchanges possible in order to see if XRP could be listed on those. Mm-hmm. The increasing amount of access, liquidity, you can kind of think of it in two ways. One of them is access to market. The other one is depth of the market. So access would be as many venues as possible listing or providing um quotes of your your pair um and so we've been working working with all the exchanges and then personally had been trying to interface with all of them to understand and there was something that i kind of respected about binance having popped up right before kind of the the major hype Mm -hmm. um we both kind of started our crypto storyline around the same time summer 2017 um and so Just seeing how nimble they worked and and how accommodating they were for the appetite of the market during this um, kind of hype cycle initially, or one of many that had happened, Mm -hmm. um, I just had a huge respect for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so about a year ago, I met um, Wee Zhao on a bus in Singapore, Um, and I sat down next to this guy and and just kind of as I. uh, Who he is? I had no idea who he is. Okay, all right. Uh, as, as you do, kind of, yep. or as I do, we sit down and I'm like, tell me about yourself. Hi, how are you? I'm Coley. Like, uh, what's going on? Um, and he ended up being the CFO of finance.
0: He's incredibly kind.
1: <laughs> Insanely kind. Like,
0: you would never <laughs> think that this is the guy who's who's making this whole thing run uh, alongside and I mean, the two three other And the two
1: of us hit it off. And, yeah. and he was like, wait, how do you know these guys? I'm like, they were my interns at Morgan Stanley. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, how, this doesn't make, like, what are you doing knowing... Our region, our market. Mm. Like, how does how does this make, make sense? So, uh, really enjoyed each other's uh, mm. company and, and kind of kept in touch on checking in on the market. What made sense? What didn't? Um, what was the path that was happening with XRP? Uh, you know, where was Binance headed, et cetera? Mm. And uh, really wanted to make something work uh, between the the two of us in, in terms of we both appreciated our work styles. So. Mm-hmm. Um, about six months ago, or at the beginning of January or so, I kind of got the, the tap on the shoulder that said, we like what you do, and we'd like to go to America with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of was floored, and then said, like, bring it on. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so hold on, hold on.
0: Before we get into the America plans, <laughs> yeah. uh, when's the first time you meet CZ?
1: CZ, same time. So we okay. after we got off the bus, he was like, i got to introduce you to a couple people. And so he introduced mm-hmm. me to CZ, Helen Hive, who runs Finance oh, yep. Charity Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a, kind of a great group of them that mm-hmm. were there at the Cumberland Summit in Singapore last year. Got um, it. And, and CZ was just, you know, so well-spoken, mm-hmm. such a such a visionary, um, very kind of lucid in his, his plans going mm-hmm. forward.
0: So I had a, a, had a huge amount of respect. Do you have a Binance hoodie on?
1: I think they were, yeah, I think they were beginning <laughs> to do the Binance hoodies. I mean, it's so hot in Singapore, I'm pretty sure it was a t-shirt. Um, right. If they were doing hoodies, that would have been
0: What One, one of the questions that uh, I got over and over again is, when uh, When do the retail investors get Binance hoodies? So, we'll, we'll get to I'd that. Say,
1: yeah, I mean, we, we designed the U.S. hoodie and it is sharp. Um, <laughs> and I, I, uh, I've made a, i made made a couple of requests for uh, some, other, some other U.S. swag that I think will get the market excited but at the awesome. same time I'm like yeah do we come uh, do we have a scarf <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure <laughs>
1: they, they they uh for the second anniversary they they got us necklaces so that's pretty nice
0: what what is the initial pitch from CZ Way and, and kind of the Binance team in terms of yeah they want to come to America but what exactly does that mean for you know what what is a business that back in January is probably what two years old or so mm-hmm. uh, gone from relatively non-existent in 24 months to hundreds of employees you know 30, 40 different countries um, hundreds of millions of dollars if not more in revenue and EBITDA and, and just this massive thing that got created out of nowhere and they call you and they say hey we're coming to America well, like, well yeah And they, <laughs> like, they, what's the plan they didn't even
1: like they didn't have that much of a vision they were like yep. would you be our partner in America mm-hmm. up to you mm-hmm you figure out how you want to. You figure out how you want to do it. We've got this technology. Um, if there is a plan to provide access for crypto markets mm-hmm. through Binance around the world, uh, avoiding the U.S. is an obvious thing that you cannot say you have uh, global reach if mm-hmm. you are leaving out the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that was uh, you know a, a bold step for them to say, "Let's figure out a way to do it." We give it to you. If you can make it work, we can make it work. If mm-hmm. you can't make it work, we now know that we can't be in the U.S. Yep. Um, and I said, you know what? What's a better canary in a coal mine than to say, if I can make this successful, fantastic. If I can't. Wonderful way to leave the entire crypto industry and, yep. and find a new job.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so you started when? I started as, in... And the role is CEO Binance US. Yeah, right? CEO
1: uh-huh. Binance US. Uh, I run BAM Trading Services, which mm-hmm. is the private company that I'm responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, we do business as Binance US, significantly mm-hmm. more catchy than BAM Trading Services. So uh, kind of transitioning to just saying Binance US. Um, and, and so I started in June. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, you know, wonderful... Did you take any time
0: off in between Ripple and uh, No,
1: I flew down from Consensus to uh, have Monday my birthday and then Tuesday on the job. Awesome. So it was it's a great gift. Um, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. And so um, as you get started, what you, uh, in June, what's your first impression of Binance and kind of how they operate in this super decentralized, uh, fast-growing company?
1: Yeah. I had always, for some reason, struggled when I was even at Morgan Stanley that the pace to which I wanted to operate was always held back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ideas that I wanted to execute on were always questioned. Uh, and that's just part of growing up. You are of course going to be tempered by authority. Um, what, when I came over to Binance, the ability to provide an idea and then route the execution of it and do it was applauded. Mm-hmm. So it gets you to really find a problem, create a solution, execute it, put it in production. Independently, which is unlike any other company I've worked for. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally it's, you know, paralysis by committee um, or emails on emails on emails. And so this was just a wonderful pace to say, all right, I'm going to be running the US. I'm going to need this, this, this. I'm going to go after that. Um, it puts a lot of the responsibility on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just say you're going to build a team and then wait for someone to build it for you. You mm-hmm. kind of have to then, begin the grassroots of recruiting people and going through that process and writing up your offer letters to them i mean the whole soup to nuts kind of version um is all yours but that's amazing the runway is there um so i really appreciate that and still to this day i'm so grateful for the idea that that's the culture that i get to kind of bring over
0: for sure and um let's go through kind of an overview of where you guys are today with binance us um kind of What are the product offerings and and what are the services that, if I'm a user or trader here in the U.S., I want to go in and create an account, what's available to me?
1: Yeah, so Binance U.S. is a digital asset marketplace. We get to license the cutting-edge technology of Binance um, for the matching engine, for the wallet software. Um, A lot of the key features that they've already built out, I'm able to license and bring to U.S. users. So I think about it in the ways of what do American users want? What have they been missing in the market? And what can we really adapt for the regulations that we have in place here? Um, and for the, the gray areas as well. So um, we launched on Tuesday of last week going live with trading. And we have um, several pairs. And then the one of the best parts about how we're rolling out is this two-way conversation with our users and there was a great demand for bitcoin pairs and so then 24 hours later we launched with a couple bitcoin pairs as well Mm -hmm. Um, so we have a list of 30 tokens that we are exploring and Mm -hmm. we've already launched in about 12 of those Mm -hmm. Um, and so we'll be continuing to provide variety to the market Mm -hmm. um, as well as lowering the hurdles in order to understand this space
0: all right so Before we jump really, really deep down into the products and offerings, uh, how do you look at Binance and what you're bringing to the market as kind of a competitive landscape in the United States, right? Because I think uh, the international markets are very different than the United States markets, um, or I guess the United States market. Uh, And then here in the U.S., I think that uh, there's a number of well-known brands, um, but they all offer different things right and some of them have gone uh really deep in the u.s lots of different options some have said we're gonna go deep in the u.s with very little trading options um and everything in between that so kind of how do you see that competitive landscape compared to what you're trying to do
1: yeah i i I come from a insane position right now of i have to say privilege Uh, i'm able to watch several of the top u.s peers having spent six, seven years already figuring out the recipe um, for, for success for them. So I'm able to enter the market having that awareness and then being able to modify on it quickly with a substantial brand behind it um, mm-hmm. and great technology that the rest of the world sees as a good fit. Mm-hmm. So uh, coming, coming into the US, I, I have a huge advantage for that, but also significantly still the underdog because we are so um, late to the game, you mm-hmm. can call it. Um, so I think there's a couple of aspects that we really want to round out that I think the crypto community has almost began to silo itself in some respects. so the idea that the u s is saturated, why would I enter it? It's so many so many other peers uh, in that space, I think we still have a lot more um, in order to get crypto to be an everyday thing for mm-hmm. the everyday user. Mm-hmm. Um, the intimidation level of cryptos kind of gotten back up, um, so that's one of the things that I want to make sure we can bring that back down and lower the hurdles to entry, uh, whether that is cost, whether that is understanding. Um, let's educate, not intimidate, and begin to provide a, an offering that the people really want. They've had enough time to figure out what works in terms of a product side and know what they really care for, and we can build that for them.
0: Mm-hmm. In- how do you leverage the relationship with, I'll call it, Binance Global mm-hmm. um, as an advantage versus maybe other folks who don't have that um, kind of relationship or, or, or that backing, them, if you will?
1: Yeah, it's as if I, I kind of put it in the scenario of an older brother or older sister. Um, they forged the way uh, they've done things in a, in a fantastic route. Mm-hmm. And I get a draft behind that momentum, but I am my own human. Uh, so, like much like my older sister, like she did a great job making my reputation seem great. Uh, I got the benefit of the doubt when I walked in the room because I looked just like her, but I was definitely the remix version um, mm-hmm. of her and uh, could stand on my own and and create my own path. So, I think that's what we're kind of looking for is the the ability to realize that Binance has been. Uh, adopted by a great, great number of people and and has educated the markets in a way that uh, people are hungry for all of that information they're able to provide. And each product they roll out, which they roll out all the time, um, enhances the experience that the global community has. Mm -hmm. And so we are going to be able to spin up as quickly as possible on those different products and features.
0: For sure. Um, And and then last question before we really go into Binance US is uh, how do you look at Exchanges, both yours and others in the U.S., uh, as kind of the role of soliciting these U.S.-based institutions, right? So whether they're financial, kind of Wall Street-type institutions like the major banks, et cetera, um, or they're more uh, like institutions that I deal with on a daily basis, which are the pensions, the endowments, the foundations, etc. How do you see the exchanges that are very crypto-specific, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not NASDAQ. It's not New York Stock Exchange. This is, um, you know, Binance, Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken, et cetera. What's their role in soliciting that institutional interest and, and participation?
1: Yeah, I mean, for starters, it's very unusual that you would type into your browser something that would give you access to financial instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in most scenarios, you've got a, a, a bank's GUI or, or system that you've downloaded to your uh, desktop, and it takes up real estate on one of your sell-side analysts or buy-side analysts uh, platforms. So, a very uh, closed loop and normally in, in financial infrastructure mm-hmm. for having that single dealer platform or even an aggregator for pricing. Um, so the ability for crypto exchanges to bring that to the mainstream through just a simple website is a remarkable innovation on how you can access um, financial products. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of it I see is infrastructure or crucial elements of the exchanges is it is it is providing that uh, ability to go and buy and sell digital assets, um, and then begin to explore rolling out different products to those those users. So, mm-hmm. um, without it, you would have um, you know a combination of peer to peer or OTC, and I think both of those elements can also be wrapped up into the exchange model. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an element of you know trying to go after one thing one at a time versus being one for all and. Uh, having a having a little bit of a hard time being able to handle that much
0: for sure. Well, and, and you bring up a great point around the assets are different. Some of the business models are a little different. Some of the uh, user uh, experiences are different. And so I think if you look across the ecosystem, both uh, domestically and internationally for the United States, um, people kind of it's like a buffet, right? And they really do choose, um, you know, well, what business model am I going to combine with what user experience, with what assets, with you know what jurisdictions and And you get these uh, really unique offerings, and I think that answers the question of, like, why are there so many? Because Mm -hmm. it's different things for different people, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, if you think about, like, bestbuy.com selling only electronics, that made sense. So you go, Mm -hmm. that was your marketplace for electronics, and then Amazon comes around, and you can buy you know, eggs, salad dressing, um, socks, and <laughs> electronics, and you're kind of like, okay, there's there's ability to have one marketplace with multiple offerings now. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are not as afraid of that. They don't need to go to a specialized store. They don't need to go to a, a, a specific dealer for it. They can go, you know, to a, to a, a broader marketplace.
0: For sure. Um, so I cheated, <laughs> uh, and I- I'm well, against cheating. Po- I pulled Twitter. Uh, for a bunch of questions. Um, I told them that we were going to do this. And frankly, they came up with uh, a lot of much better questions that I would have come up with and a lot of also uh, much more stupid questions that I would have come up with. Uh, So I'm only going to focus on the good ones. The the good, stupid ones are okay too. (laughs) Well, the the stupid ones are... uh, Maybe we'll throw one or two of those in at the end. But um, in, in terms of the good ones... Uh, there's a lot of questions, probably almost 25% of the questions uh, center around two ideas. One is, um, and they're, they touch on regulation, but they're uh, one, why only available in certain states to begin with and kind of what does that look like going forward? Uh, and then two is uh, what is the framework you use to evaluate tokens um, or assets, uh, kind of what is the the kind of Path forward there. So let's start with first the state. So, mm-hmm. um, you guys are in how many states today? What's kind of um, keeping you from going to all 50 and kind of how do you think about that evolving over time?
1: Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than realizing that you cannot deliver to your home and to your university town. The product that you've built and worked so hard on. Um, so I, I feel your frustration. Uh, I call it the Hurricane Corridor because it's the Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Louisiana, Alabama, Texas crowd. Um, New York, of course, as well. Uh, we're not able to serve among a few others. So there are about thirteen states we were yet to have the licensing for, mm-hmm. and that's the real reason. So you're in about thirty-seven states. It's about thirty-seven states. Yeah, that's we just good math on my part. Good work, uh, and then we just uh, opened up for Puerto Rico as well.
0: So. Um, is that ever going to become a state? I feel like I feel like we should just make a decision here. They're humans there. the The, <laughs> the president's <laughs> trying to buy other land. What, what are you trying to buy? Greenland, Iceland, the, whatever. Care about the
1: humans? <laughs> but can we get
0: Puerto Rico in as a state? I feel like they might get a little bit more aid and might actually, you know actually treat them better if, uh, if it was a state
1: well they they have access to finance us so we treat them <laughs> as, we treat them as as a, as a great community for yeah. for crypto um and so uh, the, you know the reason behind the rolling out gradually rather than doing it uh with all 50 or I think it's only 49. Hawaii is a pretty tough one regulation-wise. Mm-hmm. Um is we wanted to get to market quickly. Mm-hmm. Um there's not a a reason for us to wait on the sidelines until we had all of our licenses mm-hmm. when we could um start providing liquidity to And this is all money offices.
0: transmitter licenses. Money transmitter licenses. And you have to go state
1: by state. State by state um and, it, and it's a long process, but mm-hmm. um with that it's one that should be, you know, pretty methodical, we've seen several other groups be able to do it, Mm -hmm. um, go through, you've seen most, when people say, oh, I'm able to do this on this exchange, it's because they've had um, either seven years advanced notice um, and have been getting their licenses in advance or um, you know I, we're grandfathered into
0: to a mm-hmm. lot of these things. So. What goes into applying for and ultimately getting approved for a money transmitter license at the state level? Like, I, I think a lot of people have heard that but they don't know what exactly that process right. looks like. A lot
1: of it is just clarifying with the state your nature of your business understanding your financials understanding what you intend to do and what your customer interaction is mm-hmm. going to be like so really just sharing our story and our are a kind of proof of what we're doing uh, to those states state by state so
0: a lot of paperwork
1: a lot of paperwork um so we, we you know we've got a great team that's already done this before for other companies so it shouldn't be a problem but um do do uh, appreciate your patience uh it, it a lot of a uh, instead of win moon it's like win texas um and i you <laughs> there know it was actually
0: texas and florida were the two texas states was florida, out about. well
1: you think about it they've got a lot of a lot of great people <laughs>
0: yeah the, uh, the the uh, other part of this question was around uh, the assets and the framework that you use. Um, and and I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably two aspects to this. So there's uh, assets that Binance U.S. would like to list, mm-hmm. right, in terms of they re- meet some kind of quality threshold. And maybe you can kind of shine light on that. But then also there's the regulatory, you know, component of there's probably things you want to list and you don't want to list there. So um, kind of what is that process? How do you vet these, and and then how do you also make a decision as to what gets listed and what doesn't?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of think about the Advantage for an exchange could be around so many things mm. I, I've, I've done the research of the front pages of all these exchanges and they have their taglines of uh, you know longest-standing exchange or our longest uh, most trusted easy to use uh, at your fingertips um, All those are, are qualities that we were trying to figure out. What, what's mm. our, what's our advantage here? Um, and I, for us variety is one thing that mm. Has been a successful model of allowing anyone to find what really gets them uh, understanding crypto. It might not necessarily be Bitcoin. For me, it okay. wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I've grown to learn the you know the beauty of it eventually, but um, that's also because the price of transacting in Bitcoin has come down substantially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it fit more into my understanding of how the world should work. But uh, we don't really want to discriminate against that for the everyday user to find what makes them cl- what makes it click. So we've established the digital asset risk assessment framework, which really walks through um, each pair um, into an understanding of is it uh, proper and fit for uh, U.S. users. Mm -hmm. So breaking down, um, you know, key components within the regulation framework that we've received, although it's a very um, kind of gray area, Mm -hmm. um, are to our best ability to assess whether this is a uh, viable offering for the market Um, and I've seen just recently today there's been kind of a consortium put together to establish a a rating system as well Mm. Um, and we would see fit to compare ours as as well as be part of theirs. Um, Mm. I think this is one of the things where collective forces can be good but also Mm. if it is our um, ability to stand up and say U.S. users do deserve this variety in the market um, let us see and and push that that boundary as, as much as we can.
0: So in that process, like, what are some of the things that would come into consideration? Is it things that are, um, maybe I'll, I'll break it into buckets of like the structure of um, of the asset? Is it uh, the way that it was brought to market? Is it kind of the um, the state that it is in today? Is it all of those things? Some of those things, like, like how do you yeah, the, think about you've some of
1: that? kind of started one through three and there's probably a you know a handful more of, of the criteria that we go through That's so, pretty good guesses i, I should yeah. be on the legal you,
0: team at binance us
1: <laughs> or higher no, <laughs> no um, you don't
0: want me on the legal team
1: <laughs> you want to make it through that framework but um the 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 breakdown is really this the state to which the uh, coin or token came into the market mm-hmm. um the team itself behind it whether they have a long-term vision whether this will be in the markets um through perpetuity, mm-hmm. um, whether the, m- the mechanism to which it is operated uh, can sustain that. Um, the liquidity elements in the U.S., some places have zero liquidity against the U.S. dollar and um, maybe are only traded through Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, the community behind it, is there a, a substantial group of active traders or is this, you know, one guy in the corner shouting like, please list this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fine if, if he's going to be doing serious volume. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, you know there, there's a there's a need for um, healthy markets and without that you create kind of this tail um, that occurs in in the market that might lead for patchy liquidity or, or prices that gap and, and that leads to inability to actually put utility behind these things. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you were a corporate trying to transact through a currency and there was no liquidity and you you gapped in price from like six to 32, you're not going to come back to that shop and, and mm-hmm. keep, keep um, trying to go through that mechanism. So I think a lot of it is how is it used? How, how can we um, help projects that need an, a venue point to uh, increase liquidity? Um, that's something that's crucial. If, if it's going to help a, a project or a purpose kind of continue in the, in the space of digital assets, we want to be the open vendor for, for capturing that.
0: Got it. And so, what would be uh, one or two of the most common reasons why something would get rejected from the process or kind of not pass?
1: Oh, I think. Well, one would be false infrastructure. Uh, so, what do you it, mean by that? They are a, a shell. <laughs> There's no one behind it. There's no real thought behind it. It was a, you know, a color scheme and a four-letter mm-hmm. pair of words. So, I think that's one thing we can easily throw out um mm-hmm. so really
0: digging under the
1: ground of saying
0: let me just put that in like scam Scams, basically, right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah scam coin um but a shell is a nice way to call it a scam i'll just call it a scam. yeah
1: you call it a scam i'll try and sound a little bit nicer to those people uh, so i don't get harassed on
0: on twitter uh, you, you just have to embrace, t- we'll get to Twitter, but yeah, you just gotta yeah. embrace it. We'll just, get it, yeah. At least, at least somebody's <laughs> paying attention. <laughs> um, all right, so that's uh, the states and, and kind of the assets. Um, in terms of uh, today, you simply offer what I'll just call kind of spot market mm-hmm. trading, right? Yeah. So I can come in uh, and there's different pairs that I can trade um, and there's bid asks, buyer seller, off to the races and that's all that's available today right
1: yeah you've got your orders you've got an order book a full um exchange setup up against usd usdt mm. and bitcoin on some pairs um mm. and so that fiat on ramp is something that we're really excited to be able to offer
0: yep and uh I believe I remember correctly all trading is free until November that is correct all trading
1: is free until November 1st um and if you're worried about your state not being live we will also be looking into keeping those um exciting things for those states that when they do go live so you won't be left behind got it. um and then also if you have friends which i think the big thing about crypto is maybe we've lost some of our friends um so now's the time to earn them back or or, or work with them teach them what you've been up to and why the rabbit hole is fun to be in um you'll get 15 dollars, and so will they um if they both start if you both start trading so got it um that's kind of the the great plans we've got uh, so far Um, But free trading is an exciting thing for those that are looking to figure out how this works. A lot of the earlier on-ramps for them have been expensive, and they didn't know, you know, why am I paying Mm -hmm. such a percentage on a volatile asset already? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm afraid of it. Um, Just get in. get, Get messy.
0: As uh, as negative yielding debt has become popular in the world, will we see negative uh, exchange fees? So I get paid for trading
1: <laughs> if you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, th- th- there's a there's a world that we are going to be growing into with the with the negative rate. It might be a new norm. People might expect to be paid for things. Uh, feels a little entitled right now but uh
0: i I won't call the person out by name but there is a (laughs) ridiculous person on the internet who continues to argue that uh negative yielding debt is not only normal but makes sense because uh you should be paying somebody to take care of your money and there's no risk in putting your money in the bank which is a thing we won't get into but uh somebody needs to explain to this person about uh 2008 yeah Uh, all right so uh there was a whole bunch of questions around uh, what I'll call product or service offerings that are potential for an exchange mm-hmm. offer. So I'm just going to run through these. Uh, feel free to say yes, to something you're working on. No, you're not, or elaborate. Uh, the first one, which was my favorite one, was uh, a robo advisor.
1: I saw that it was that um,
0: Tyrone. Yeah, Ross. Shout out. Shout Tyrone out Tyrone Ross.
1: Ross. Uh, great idea. Um, there's nothing better than automating what you're doing anyways, but um, <laughs> I, I certainly had to put my kind of thinking cap on like, how would that work? Okay, so are you are you allocating someone to then just manage on behalf of you? And I think the, the ability for Binance US to be a platform that allows for new job creation and new mm-hmm. kind of a modern day private wealth manager mm-hmm. can exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly going down that brokerage model is something fascinating. Mm-hmm. You've seen Binance.com roll out a broker uh, partner platform as well so anything that binance.com is able to launch i'm able to license
0: awesome um tyrone let us know if you want clarification on that you know where to find us on twitter uh interest accounts
1: mm-hmm. uh so the idea of having a savings account that it earns yield uh i think that's very attractive a lot of mm-hmm. things that i'm doing are earning no yield mm-hmm. and that's a difficult part of mm-hmm. uh of dealing in crypto or dealing in something that will not return unfortunately my banks also don't return anything mm-hmm. so um you know for for being able to provide that is a is a really great added added advantage for sure for it.
0: uh derivatives
1: yeah so it's a big bucket it's a, but is just a <laughs> big bucket but people also forget that like the derivatives market in regular fx is about like three times the spot market so mm-hmm. it is a massive beast if you can get Are we it getting
0: right. 100x leverage on binance us that wasn't a no. <laughs> For the record, that wasn't a no. It wasn't
1: a, It wasn't a no. I've got to do my homework. I've got to talk to the to talk to the right regulators. Figure out what's the process. It's a, it's a but it's
0: something that you guys are at least interested in if you can figure out the right way to do it and provide it in a safe manner. You definitely want it. absolutely.
1: I mean, you think about if any corporate is going to be using crypto and using uh, a mechanism of having a balance sheet in crypto, you're mm-hmm. going to need some form of protection on that. So mm-hmm. hedging is a concept that I don't think crypto has really been a part of because Mm -hmm. we've been so speculative one way or the other. Um, But hedging is pretty normal.
0: Yeah. So hedging is a way to look at derivatives in a risk management model. I think most people in crypto, to your point... They always ask, "How high can it go?" Yeah, okay, so they're so just they going, going at for like leverage, yeah. leverage. <laughs> So, yes, if you're using it correctly, it should be used as a hedge. Should Absolutely, be used as a
1: hedge that will help for a healthy that, market. But if you're looking just for you know outsized returns, or <laughs> upsize risk, then yeah. So we'll we'll try to we'll try to cater to your needs.
0: Got it. Can't let uh, Arthur have all the fun with his fifty and hundred x leverage. Um, are there any that you think are uh, shorter term, like it, as you guys pushed into derivatives, you would say, hey, look, like these are the ones that we would actually want to go after first, or is it still something where it's more blank slate and, and you're...
1: I mean, I I like to zoom out a little bit before we start getting all hopped up in derivative land Mm -hmm. um, and realize that financial literacy is not something that is 100 percent guaranteed across Mm -hmm. the United States. So if we are able to provide a way to which people are now getting smarter about learning how to manage their money, Owning their own lives, uh, you know, that's a significant step that I think needs to happen before we can start dialing up uh, derivative land. You mm-hmm. can, we can deri- we can dial up derivative land, but you're really going to be isolating uh, the exposure to just the crypto elite or mm-hmm. the, you know, the folks that are already in the space. And I think that's too soon for us to close the door and already sound like you know you're the varsity team. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm bringing it back. We're going back to the beginning. Um, of making sure that people are aware, not intimidated by it, understanding what you know, what is a buy, what is a sell, um, how does this market work, why are things going up, why are things going down, mm-hmm. um, while also educating them. We don't have like a dumbed down system. It is still an order book, so you'll see everything that an, a regular trader will see.
0: Got it. Um, making your taxes easier was a huge one. So a number of these exchanges have tried to help various ways. What, what's kind of the plan there? Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a U.S. major issue um, of, okay, I want to be doing this, but I'm going to be penalized on all fronts given the taxes. Um, and so that was a high priority of mine to make sure that you had a really quick way to download all of your transactions, even for pattern recognition on your own front, uh, being able to assess your P&L in a, in a way that you can dig into your own data a little bit more, uh, was an important thing. So there's super easy ways to uh, download, uh, custom amount of time, uh, three months, six months, one year, year to date, mm-hmm. custom dates, um, and that'll allow you to, to keep your taxes a little bit cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, you know, there are a great amount of tax providers now in crypto, um, and so we'll be trying to help folks uh, even before October 15th and April 15th um, get, get in the right direction
0: got it that one uh, is a huge one because uh one of the things that people i don't think realize is when you go and you sell into some of these order books uh it doesn't get executed in one trade <laughs> and, and sometimes it can be two three five ten twenty trades uh and each individual one of those if you do the taxes to the exact accuracy counts as a taxable event and you're a little, or you're Uh, accountant will have a lot of fun with that
1: yeah the market owes you nothing so you have to make sure you do taxes right
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um all right the big one mobile app everyone everyone was talking about this on twitter uh, it's coming, I, I think I've heard.
1: Yeah, I feel like I went to school without my backpack. Um, so, it, it, we're definitely getting an app up and okay. up and, up and off the ground. It was a case of we wanted to go to market before we had all of our school supplies. Um, That's okay. That's actually a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. You know, if, if I made it through the first day of school or the first week of school without my backpack, I'm going to do okay. But, um, no, there is going to be an app. We're going to, uh, you know, try and... Ex- uh, increase the functionality of that app as mm-hmm. well um our users are on the go america is on the go mobile mm-hmm. saturation is huge
0: um
1: we want to we want to put it at your fingertips
0: got it ios and android is the plan i think so okay i have both <laughs> um all right just just making sure um this one I, I did not understand uh but usd withdrawals and usdt trading pairs I'm assuming that those are either already there or on the way, or... They are there. Um, okay, so are they ha- there already? Yeah,
1: so we have all of our uh, current offerings against US dollar and USDT. Um, I think we'll probably, s- hopefully see, you know, more crosses mm-hmm. come in the way. Um, sorry, crosses for that example is just different pairs of trading. Um,
0: Got so it. Credit cards.
1: Credit cards, America runs on credit most of the time. Um, I think it's great. You it could be
0: a politician with that. <laughs> <laughs> Some financial ser- uh, financial services firm that will definitely donate to your campaign. Yeah, yeah, that well, is your slogan. Well,
1: it's funny. My sister and I hedge our careers, so she works in corporate credit cards at a large U.S. bank, and I... I, I work over on this side. That's all
0: right. I embarrass my brother. He works at J.P. Morgan. So oh, yeah. Well,
1: she's at City, so it, yeah.
0: <laughs> if, if, if you think of all of my tweets now uh, at, while one of my brothers is sitting at J.P. Morgan, you can imagine his uh, his buddies there are giving him a hard time quite often. Are
1: you the older or younger
0: I'm the oldest of all oh. of my brothers. Okay, uh, that, that
1: throws a loophole in, in my theory in life, but...
0: Okay. Two, two, two of them <laughs> are in uh, financial services and, you know, they get a good laugh every now and then. They do. All right, so, so credit cards are coming to, to, cr- to Binance US. They're
1: coming. One of the tricky parts is when... She
0: said it's coming, so if you're listening, you can tweet <laughs> and say credit cards are coming.
1: When you, when you look at uh, the credit card industry, which people haven't dug into that as much as they've dug into understanding proof of work, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are huge fees that are not even driven by the end user or the end um, provider. So um, translating a merchant processing fee of 3% to our customer when we're providing free trading still feels pretty gross. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to be able to provide access to these things in a cost-effective way. And currently credit cards are still not Mm cost-effective. So thinking through that, is something that we want to be very cautious about, um, but I understand people want to be able to use their debit and credit cards. So,
0: mm. do you think it's, they want it because of the uh, kind of user experience? The or just no. <laughs> they just want to be able to. Go do the same thing that they do, but they want to be able to spend crypto rather than spend dollars. Or do you think it's something else that's really driving the uh, the interest there?
1: You know, sometimes it's it's as funny as so we offer right now ACH and wire payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, you have to either know your bank login or mm-hmm. uh, know your routing number and your account number. Okay, sometimes people don't have that when they're you know on the road or or somewhere else, but they will have their credit card on them. So mm-hmm. it's a ability to say I know how to access my funds through a plastic. Device that's on me most of the time versus Mm -hmm. I know by heart my banking number. Mm -hmm. But ACH up to $1,000 is instantaneous uh, delivery. Um, Wires you can do up to um, a significant amount based on your verification levels. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't think there's not a way to get dollars into the system. It's just not a credit card.
0: Security tokens. So these are, for those that are paying attention at home, uh, essentially assets that represent we'll call them digital stocks digital um, equity they could be in real estate in traditional stocks but it looks very similar to a traditional security but it's just simply in digitized form
1: again zoom out start small this is just the beginning i think we're a little bit pushing the envelope ahead of our skis to say we're going to go down the path of security offerings when you don't have 95 percent of the us using market mm-hmm. in involved mm-hmm. um so so baby steps get 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 more of the world involved and then we can start providing those products to the right mm-hmm. people but uh still zooming out zooming out starting at the beginning i think there's a lot of land to grab um verse a- expand upon what we've
0: got got it are there any products that people did not speculate on that you're excited about, thinking about, or, or uh, worth mentioning?
1: I, I mean, I've always given wonderful kudos to finance uh, engineers who came up with the idea that after you type in your 2FA, you don't have to click enter. Um, but that's a very small, small thing that no one notices.
0: <laughs> it is very good. When you use a site where it auto-processes uh, after you filled out beautiful. the full number of characters... beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of the things we want to really be able to provide best practices uh, this is not a easy transition to get into the market like it is to go from a bus to an uber mm-hmm. uh, so we want to uh, you know equip people with the right uh, tools that's including security so learning how 2fa works learning how google authenticator works that's just kind of part of the the growing up Uh, case that you need to have in order to access digital assets it's going to help you be smarter about your decisions and and keeping keeping all of your um items very secure which i think is first and foremost we can't have reckless behavior taking place
0: for sure um all right you've been on the job now three months 90 90 days all right three months uh so i want really hard-hitting answers to uh what is let's start with cz Best attribute, worst attribute, and funniest story.
1: Okay. Best attribute is his clarity uh, on a vision that is not in this decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's, I agree with that. That's something that if you can align your personality with where your soul deserves to be, mm-hmm. that is the answer to success. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I've found day one on the job, uh, being able to completely align where I want to grow where I think I'm suited for the purpose of Mm -hmm. and it fits in with CZ's plans Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's something that I I really appreciate him having Um, Uh, that's best best worst worst
0: no backhand compliments
1: Worst is like Do men still wear fiddle lip
0: flops <laughs> <laughs> There's only two people I know that wear Flip flops yeah, On a consistent basis yeah. Charlie Shrem And CZ And then they Celebrate with each other On the internet Whenever there's a picture Of one of them In flip flops I'll
1: let it fl- I'll let it slide But like Come on
0: <laughs> No What what did he wear Uh, when he was in the Bahamas? He wore shorts, flip-flops, and a Binance, uh, I think, a collared shirt or a hoodie.
1: A collared shirt or a hoodie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He did start the Bermuda shorts trend, so I appreciate him for that. Or A couple people had been there, too, I guess, before. But, uh, yeah, that would probably be my only knock is... uh,
0: Oh man, it's a flip flop stick. But he wears it all around Singapore
1: too, right? Oh well, I mean you have to. It's really yeah, hot there. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Funniest story you have? Funniest
1: yeah. story. Um, I, you know, I'll probably get a, a message on this whether I was allowed to reveal this or not. But um, we were sitting down for lunch, and Tommy
0: told me. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we were sitting down for lunch, and <laughs> uh, I somehow got on the conversation of oldest, youngest sibling debates. Okay. And CZ and I immediately realized like, ah, oh, this is why we see so similarly. And it's because we're both younger siblings of an older sister. Um, oh, and yeah. therefore there's this uh, unusual and not, not welcomed, just uh, organic competitiveness mm-hmm. in the younger sibling that uh, says we need, we need to be here on this earth to make an impact. Um, and honestly no one no no one in my family has ever said like i 'm not worthy or, or it's it 's not the case of of what I need to do i just I feel it in my bones that uh I was out always out to serve uh, and be competitive and mm-hmm. uh, that that 's kind of what CZ and I both laughed over that it, it's not because our siblings are mean to us or, or anything they're both super achieving people we just all we just wanted to outdo them just want to outdo them. <laughs> I love it, I love I love you. it. <laughs> who,
0: who is the uh one person at Binance that you say they are a unknown rock star and people should know who they are but they don't today who's one person who comes why to
1: would I reveal that now
0: no, no, no! Come on. Um, no one's allowed to go recruit this person for at least twenty-four hours.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of of my legal and regulatory in the U.S. Um, I, he was the first hire I had, and we had a wonderful week in San Francisco, kind of going through the the roadmap of what we needed to get in place to be operational. And we had a we had a moment where we were both standing. We by the way, our office was and kind of still is at the time like a closet sized room with Bay Area view. I mean, a gorgeous window, Mm -hmm. but very much so. Uh, We had to open the door because we ran out of oxygen. Um, So we stood there, watched the sunset, and he goes, Coley, I I think I'm going to be a part of something significantly bigger than I imagined. And I said, "That's my guy." Like, <laughs> just I, I, I really enjoyed aligning with him. His creativity and resourcefulness on getting things done. Um, he thinks about things so thoughtfully. Uh, lawyers and, and the legal side don't have it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, they also serve as advisors to the maniacs that are sometimes the business leaders. So, mm-hmm. for every irrational idea that I might come up with, he is a way to either temper it or provide a, a viable way for us to, to do that. Um, and I, so I give him huge credit. Um, Christopher Robbins is his name.
0: I was waiting for the name. There we go.
1: Christopher Robbins. And and he does have a dog named Winnie. So I, uh, I appreciate that he leans in.
0: The number of LinkedIn, uh, requests for him just went through the roof. He's a great guy. Uh, (laughs) Don't waste his time
1: though. He's working.
0: (laughs) So, uh, sitting here 90 days after you started, what's the one thing that you did not realize that has surprised you the most?
1: I think it comes from the excitement of the full process of getting something launched. I'm I'm not a mother, so I don't really know how the process of, of motherhood works yet. <laughs> I'm not a mother either, so yeah, I'm, I'm well, lost on that one Yeah, well. Probably, most of crypto probably is not a mother, but if you are a mother in crypto, shout out, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the entire detail required to have a company up and running and not only a company but a viable product, and not only a product but one that goes into a highly competitive market um, and is live and the bugs are working, I've I've done customer support for uh, Binance US for the past 72, call it 80 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking to me when you uh, put a complaint out there um, or there's a support ticket. So I've had the joy of seeing what's what's buggy for a person and how we can fix it or what is not an intuitive process that my brain said, oh, clearly steps one through three. Um, and it's really helped us get a sense of where the product is missing the mark mm-hmm. and we can adjust it immediately. So within just a week of going live, we've fixed and adjusted some so many small things that I hope uh, will, will ease the path for, for folks to come. Mm-hmm. But I also just enjoy seeing who our users are, uh, getting to know them a little bit more, being, uh, being available to someone that is a first time user a, a frequent user of crypto i've had so many people say i'm on you know six exchanges in the us and you guys are you know i'm going to be myself and i'm like why you know tell me what's 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 your reason for adding a new one um what's your reason would you move all your funds over um you know how how was the experience was it was mm-hmm. it was it good until the point where something didn't work for you? And oh yeah, it's super, super easy. I like that. It's like, all right, well, what are we complaining about? Mm -hmm. But I've just really enjoyed meeting our users and being a part of that experience, um, which you don't always get when you're a a small fry in a a big company.
0: For sure. Um, Let's do rapid fire questions to end this thing. Uh, Most important company in crypto other than your own? Can't say Binance Global either.
1: Um, probably Blockworks isn't an answer. <laughs> thanks, guys, for the podcast. Uh, thanks for making a digestible experience for all users around the world. I might say that. I think communication is a huge key. Um, if we're able to break this down for ears and eyes and make people be able to understand it, that's a huge step for all companies going forward.
0: It's a Fair answer. Yeah uh what is the one regulation you would change or improve in the united states if you could wave a magic wand
1: having a driver's license dedicated to your own state
0: wait what do you mean
1: like why do i have to be tied down to my place of residency i mean i get it this is opening a can of worms on on identity on identity and driver's license etc but like how many people drive these days
0: Oh, you're saying that you would change the fact that you have to have a New York State driver's license or a California State driver's license? Like, it's it's a state by state it's thing. It's a state by state
1: thing, and it's a driver's license. Like, you, we don't offer Uber licenses. Mm-hmm. So, are people driving as much these days? Or are people Well, learning? I guess the
0: U.S. passport would serve as like the federal. So, we allow that, yeah. right? We
1: allow for passports um, yeah. as well. So, that works. But uh, it's, it was always a tricky one for me. I was like, what? My Florida ID? I had to go in the DMV and sit for like three hours right before I joined Binance US because I was like, I need a California ID.
0: My, my personal favorite is uh, concealed carry permits.
1: Okay. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. We're going guns. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Hold on.
0: So uh, you can get them in states, but they're reciprocated in states. Oh. And so there's this whole game for those that have ever looked at concealed carry permits where... Florida is the answer, because Florida is reciprocated in the most states. Oh. So, if you get a concealed carry permit in Florida, then you can get it in the most number of states yeah. uh, with that one application. But, do you think that you have to go to Florida to get the concealed carry permit? Probably not. You do not. Oh my God, <laughs> I, well,
1: I, So the processes
0: are very weird around something that is a sensitive issue, obviously in the United States, driving is a whole different thing, right? Yeah. But you, there's actually, some Some would argue, a much more strong process around the driver's license state by state.
1: Yeah, everyone should go to Florida once in their life, I think. Yeah. I, I was mean, born there. Oh, no way, yeah. okay. Hol- I mean,
0: Hollywood, Florida. Hollywood, Florida. We left pretty quickly, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's one of those places where I, I look at my experience and I realize not everyone that I've worked with in my life grew up knowing how to run away from alligators. And seeing rockets go into outer space after school, Mm -hmm. and so maybe my imagination might be a little bit more stretched, a little different, because my environment around me was such. But uh, no, it was a wonderful, wonderful time.
0: What's your most controversial thought in the industry? And if you don't say controversial thought, I'm going to make you say one. So you have to say something that's controversial.
1: Women can do anything.
0: That's that's not controversial. Oh
1: okay. Oh.
0: In crypto, what's your most controversial thought? So when you say it, people are going to be like, ah, she's
1: fine. Right. I think Ledger Nano's font is too small.
0: Ledger Nano is too small. Why? Yeah,
1: the font is too small. You're alienating the use, use case. Oh. <laughs> Boomers are left out of being able to s- store their crypto
0: securely. That, that was an expert way to not answer the question. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> it's controversial. They haven't created a larger version.
0: They, they, they won't... Uh, the, the, i don't think they're ever going to change it
1: make a bigger option just like a brick but big I, buttons
0: but i think that's their point okay well is to not have it be a bigger. i option.
1: have to i have to click it for my dad because he can't see those numbers <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fair I, I do appreciate uh when i'm on the subway or just walking somewhere and you ever see an older person and they have their phone up their text messages zoomed in and, the text is just, it's like, what do you read in all headlines? <laughs> right? You're like, why do you need the text that large? Yeah. But it makes sense. Uh, all right, most one. important book you've ever read? The Little Book of
1: Economics by Greg Ipp.
0: What is that? About? I'm assuming it's about economics. It's a
1: tiny, but, tiny book. Right? And you can finish it in an easy afternoon for those that don't read, can't read, don't like to read. And it walks you through how this world works. And I think it's something that we take for granted Understanding supply and demand, and why the markets exist, and so highly recommend this book. You think you understand crypto? You have no background in economics. You have no background in business. You are not even interested in that. Just read this book, and it'll help you just get a little bit of a sense of why the world moves the way it does.
0: I love it. I always end. You ask me one question, but first, aliens. Somebody, rightfully so, guessed on Twitter that I would ask you about aliens. So here we are. Real or not real?
1: Obviously. Um, Obviously real? Obviously real. But uh, we can go down in the path of, uh, you know, farming paradox if we need. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just if we do think things exist, I think we do need to make space to listen. And we haven't. And you can translate that over to crypto. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot. We barely listen to people. Mm-hmm. So let's all take quiet for a little bit and, and listen to our surroundings. And
0: Do you think that our inability to listen is driven by technology or desire? Oh, desire. Desire. Yeah. But you think we have the technology available where we could I listen? I think we
1: have the technology available to listen. But
0: Do you think aliens have come here before?
1: <laughs> I'm here, right? Uh, no. Uh, I, I do.
0: Really? Yeah. You think aliens have come to Earth and they've had contact and just somebody hasn't told everyone because they don't want to freak them out?
1: Yeah, they got like denied a, a, a Metro card and <laughs> left <laughs> left and went back uh, home.
0: My, my whole thing is just, uh, I forget who said this on the podcast and they really, it, it's like stuck with me. They're like, well, just so we're clear, like in most instances in the world where one group of species went and adopted the land of another group of species it didn't work out so well for the people who were originally there right like maybe we don't want to have contact
1: yeah maybe we don't want contact we do have will smith maybe we already have contact and we just don't know or maybe we're looking at this all wrong and it's not what's in outer space but what's under the sea
0: that's been my thing all along. <laughs> is we know more about Mars than we know about what's under the sea. I'd like
1: to go there first. So. There's
0: a, uh, I think he's Brazilian or Russian billionaire. I need to, uh, I need to get this guy on the podcast. He uh, has personally funded the building of a underwater vehicle, which is a one seater. That goes to the depths of the ocean. I think he's been to three or four of the seven oceans, the absolute deepest point. And he gets in the vehicle and does it himself. (laughs) Very Richard Uh, Branson. Yes. And uh, I don't think there's been that much reporting on like what he's seen. (laughs) Right. And so to me, it's like.
1: Why would he tell anyone? (laughs) No.
0: Well like hey man, you went to the bottom of like the Indian Ocean. Like what's down there? Right? Is it just sand like at the bottom of the, oh, man, you know, the beach? No. Or There's some there... critters
1: that you've never seen and never want to see.
0: Exactly. So we'll see. What uh what one question you have for me?
1: Oh, uh, Oh, sorry, that's my law and order text text sound. Um What is the biggest distraction for you in your Dynasty building.
0: <laughs> the biggest distraction, honestly, the people who say the positive things on Twitter. Oh, okay. I should stop. The people who say the negative things, I love it. Like,
1: God, you're 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 not helping this world out. Come I on. I love it.
0: No, I, I respond. I usually just thanks. Hope you're having a great day. Like, I love it.
1: I, I do love to turn a hater into a lover. That's a significant.
0: So I used to be, I used to be like the end goal is to get them to like love me. Yeah. Now, I'm not. That's not even my goal. My goal is literally just to let you know. Like I read your nonsense. Just like you know, a little like or you know, flame, thanks, whatever. yeah. Yeah. I should actually start flaming the haters. That'd be a good one. <laughs> um, maybe there, there's a gif where the guy's got a flamethrower. Right, I've, I I've
1: just sh- started with like, I I hear you, I see you. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> you're too empathetic. I, I'm, I'm much more uh, ignorant. Um, yeah, I think that the people who, uh, what I did not realize two, three years ago is how the tribalism, the enthusiasm, the, all of this stuff that makes crypto, Bitcoin, etc., what mm-hmm. it is, Uh, I think we all think of like the the quote unquote toxicity, right? Um, I recently interviewed somebody who made an argument that like, it's actually a good thing, right? Yeah. There's arguments that it's a bad thing, whatever. Tribes
1: have helped momentum occur with most movements.
0: Yeah. And I think that we see, when we talk about it, we talk about it from a negative connotation. I think that the opposite is true where there's a bunch of positive and you can look and see, I mean, look, I, I think, I'll pick on CZ for a second, right? Like he is the beneficiary of, there's a bunch of people who think very positively of him, right? And there's a a CZ tribe, if you will. Um, And that's not a bad thing. He didn't ask for that. He just, he did his job and and that's what happens. I think that if you asked him and, and a number of other people in the industry, if you just pay attention to that, like you very quickly think you could walk on water, right? And like, it can very quickly become this distraction of like, you've achieved a goal, you've done something. I think What I've noticed is having the detractors, having the like, hey, we want to do this deal, but we lost the deal to another investor and having to like go back and fight for some allocation. And and it's like these little daily reminders of you're just like, this is a really, really long game. And like that random, you know, Twitter account, whether they're saying positive or negative things, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. (laughs) Right. And so I think people don't want to listen to the quote unquote trolls when they're saying negative things. But want to prop themselves up mentally when they're listening to the trolls say positive things yeah so it's kind of keeping a, a reminder that they're the same yeah it's still a random twitter account
1: that's that's true no cz's cz's motto is humble hardcore freedom so
0: is that what it is that's what it is humble hardcore freedom mm-hmm. i like that so we like to go after that yeah, well, and you can do it in sandals. So he's he's killing can, it. Yeah, you can do it in sandals. That's <laughs> great. All right, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Where can people go to find Binance US to find you?
1: www Binance US, binance.us us yep,
0: no.com Binance right. dot us dot us finance no dot com
1: no dot no. com dot com is a, another marketplace
0: somebody has BinanceUS.com? no 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 oh. someone
1: has binance.com oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah uh
1: no it's just binance.us okay. um, for us and then you can find us on twitter at binance america you can find me on twitter at crypto Coley. um you can join our community telegram group driven by the community uh for the community and then you can also follow our announcements on the website awesome but other than that get ready
0: Humble, hardcore freedom. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.